Listener Production. Shares, Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday mailbag edition. It's special because it's Sunday. It's special because it's Motley Fool Money. And it's special because I am joined by the best in the business. The one, the only, the straw man himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Andrew Page. Oh, God, my eardrums just blew out. How are you, mate? <laughs> good. Well, you told me I'm good. good. I just, I just, I'm, it's now a challenge to make it even more hyperbolic. So I thought I'd just give it a go. <laughs> go I, for it. I kind of was, was talking all of a sudden. I had the kind of the wrestling boxing vibe. I thought, well, you know. Hey, hey, lean in. Lean into gotta it. Come up with, gotta come up with something. The, uh, the, what is it? The straw man of. There's got to be some, what would your boxing name be? My boxing name? Yeah. God, my, my, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm so out of my depth. I think I only Jeff, know the name. Jeff Fennick like, was the Marrickville Mauler. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> was it Jeff Harding was the hitman, I think, from memory? I'm just wondering what Andrew, Andrew Page... The Tamworth Tickler. How, about, how does that go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's a... Well, it depends on what sort of boxing you're doing, mate. That's all I'm... <laughs> that's the kind of boxing I'm doing. Tamworth Tickler. It's a tickle, tickle, it's a tickle at best, let me tell there you. There we go. And, of course, you are a Tamworth boy, born and bred. Mm-hmm. Not born, Tamworth but bred. Tickler. Yeah. A bred, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Tamworth yeah, Tickler. Yeah. Very good. Mate, how are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, gosh, there's a lot going on in the world, isn't there? There is a lot going on. Now, I will say, by the way, uh, dear listeners, we this is the first of our pre-recorded mailbag series. I'm going to be away, um, uh, again, because we're recording this all out of order. I assume at some point I will have mentioned this in real time, and now I'm saying it before the fact, and you're hearing it after the fact. Uh, I am probably away right now somewhere. So we are pre-recording uh, a few weeks' worth of episodes, and we are going to do some mailbag. So to whatever extent Andrew and I screw up the yesterday, tomorrow, last week, next week, what's happening right now, it'll be just because our time, our grasp on time is is tenuous at best, but particularly when we're recording in advance, it's uh, it's all a little bit strange. Yes. Mate, uh, let's let's push on regardless. Let's assume we can actually make this and get this done. Good assumption. Uh, I got a really <laughs> interesting question uh, from someone who asked to remain anonymous. Now, here is, I've said this before, the best part about this email starts, hi, fellas. Please keep my name and email anonymous. As I've said many, many times, if you don't want me to accidentally give up your name, put it at the top of the email. Now, anonymous says, when I'm looking to invest for our daughter into a couple of Vanguard ETFs, I've looked at the brokerage Perla as one option or investing directly via the Vanguard Personal Investor Kids option. The main difference I can see is that Perla is chess sponsored. However, the Vanguard ones aren't and the shares are held by our custodian. In this case, J.P. Morgan Chase. Usually, says our listener, chess sponsored would be recommended, but in this case, does it matter? As I'm assuming because Vanguard is both the broker and the ETF provider, Vanguard's ETF would have to fail to lose the money. Is there any risk of having a bank as the custodian, especially given their track record? Dot, 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 <laughs> fair. Not sure if I'm overthinking it or missing something, but would greatly appreciate your non-financial advice on the issue thanks and keep up the great work with the podcast that's from anon uh mate i'll i'll have a i'll have a quick early swing at this one and you can then jump in mm-hmm. i um so th- there's 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 so many layers here uh the 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 etf itself is a managed fund and so when we talk about chess sponsorship of say woolly shares it's a case of okay woolly's is a company it has shares who owns those shares and using chess says actually they're mine or they're Andrews, or they're yours, mm-hmm. uh, anonymous listener. And that, that's, that's relatively easy to understand. Once you get to manage funds, it does all get a little bit messy because at one hand, if you have a chess-sponsored Vanguard ETF, say VAS is the code for the Vanguard ASX 300, 
Chess will say you own those units in the ETF. But the ETF itself is a fund. And so even if you own the shares or the units in the fund, the fund itself can still go broke, even though you legally own those units. And so you kind of go down and down into this really, really big wormhole of stuff. Because there's the fund itself. Okay, so who owns the fund? You're entitled to your units, but the fund itself could fail. Who's looking after that to make sure everything's done properly? And on and on and on it goes. And you're absolutely right when you ask about the fact of, or ask whether or not it matters. I'm going to say in this case, I don't think it does because if the Vanguard ETF fails, if the, if, the, if the fund manager itself was to fail, if the ETF was worth zero, the chess sponsorship of the, of the worthless units wouldn't be very useful. It's like saying, well, if Woolies goes broke, is it worth me having been chess sponsored or not chess sponsored? I would say in that case, it doesn't matter either way because the, your chess sponsored, you know, your chess sponsorship says you own nothing or your broker says you own nothing. In other way, you still own nothing. So, you know, it, to the extent of your question, it really, really doesn't matter. Mm. What does matter when it comes to managed funds, as you rightly suggest, is who is the custodian? And so when you have a fund manager, their job is to allocate the cash. I don't think in any case in Australia, Andrew, but I could be wrong. Uh, the fund manager is the same as the person who is what they call the trustee. So mm. effectively, this, this separation of powers means that one party does the selecting and management. The other party says, yep, the money is all there. and It's all where it should be which is exactly why we have trustees, to make sure that Page and Phillips Incorporated don't set up a managed fund, tell you the money's there, a la Bernie Madoff, and then go and spend the money on a nice holiday house in the Bahamas. So that's, that's kind of how it all works. You want a custodian, you want a trustee, um, and they generally tend to be big organisations. Uh, could JP Morgan Chase go broke? Yes. Uh, if they're holding those assets properly in trust, even when it goes broke, the any any creditors of the bank won't be able to touch the assets they held in trust so that's a long very complicated way to start a mailbag on a sunday morning uh suffice it to say if the structures are done properly and it's why i would always use a uh, a well-known or well recognized reputable man fund manager and trustee because it's possible you know if you if, if they if they got Phillips and Page trustees and we said, I'll do your deal, a couple of bucks under the table, we'll pretend the money's there anyway. I mean, at some point this breaks down if someone's not telling the truth. But the structure of having a fund manager separate to the custodian, and as long as they're both reputable, gives you the best chance, not a, not a guarantee, but the best chance of not having your money disappear. And in this case, mate, while I'm a massive, massive fan of chess, I would have no issue at all owning a Vanguard ETF directly or on the exchange. So my question to you, Andrew, is what did I screw up? What did I get wrong? Or what do you disagree with? No, I, I don't disagree with any of that. It, it's, it's of all of the risks that you face as an investor, it's just so far down the line. Yeah, mm. there are bad things that could go wrong. I mean, there's counterparty risk in almost everything. Yeah. There's one thing that doesn't have it, but let's not go there. Um, but <laughs> It's what's yeah, on a Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, it is amazing to think that we now live in a world where Credit Suisse doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> now, I was going to use the term big and reputable. Well, they were big. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, well, yeah. You know, so, we go to blue chips in a while too, like, Square Swiss would be considered a big blue chip investment bank, right? If you'd asked anybody, but of course they clearly weren't and never probably were, at least not recently. And yet the, the brand reputation, really the halo effect lasts for a long time when it's not deserved, doesn't it? Oh, unbelievably so, yes. Yeah, and and it, 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 it's really surprising the reputations that some manage to sort of sustain despite, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even here in Australia, I mean, it seems like a distant memory now, but look what came out with the, Royal Commission 
<laughs> you know, and that had in very narrow terms of reference, and it was an absolute disaster of what it revealed. Correct. correct. And I think we and just yet all, nothing changed either. Before. Yeah, we were going to go. Yeah, they're all they're all crooks. And we just oh. go on with it. Sort of, it's a bit maddening, really. But yeah, Mate, no, we'll I, I, look, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't worry about it. We'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll travel in time a little bit to say that just before we recorded this, uh, the week before that, uh, AMP and I want to say MLC, I think I'm almost certain that's right, were both fined, uh, one for charging dead people and the other one for I can't remember what. And you think, yep. it's 2023. The Royal Commission was six years ago. Yeah. And we're still going, like, I, I, honestly, I've been asked about it on the radio and I, I kind of stammer through, like, just then, like, I don't know what, you would assume at this point, those skeletons would have been cleaned out. Things would be working properly. If the Royal Commission and the government response was anywhere halfway decent, the fine should at least have an extra zero on them. It's like, guys, we've had this conversation. You screwed up. We fined you for it. We changed the rules. You know it's an issue now. Here's a special zero on the end of your fine. If you keep doing it, then I can't help you. I, I'd, have, I'd have personal are. personal criminal liability, <laughs> frankly, for the CEO. Someone, you know, oh, you're going to yeah, jail, mate, yeah. if, if, if you do this again. Like, like why, why not? If I, you know, it's the classic, mm-hmm. you know, someone steals a loaf of bread, they're in, they're in jail. Someone steals $10 million, you know, and it's sort uh-huh. of like, uh-oh, you get a fine, you might lose your job. It, it's sort yeah. of, it's maddening. Yeah. Try explain. I think this is where kids are really great, right? You sort of, so I'm always shouting at the TV or the radio and <laughs> kids go, why is that, daddy? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the mouth of babes are just sort of like, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I right. cannot explain to you why other than it's just, yep. yeah, it, it's it's a debacle. I don't Tangent know. for fun. We drove past the, I think I might have said this before, the Liddell Power Station up in Newcastle, which actually has been turned off now, which I'm pretty stoked about. And um, I, I just I pointed out to my young bloke as we drove past, I mate, there's the coal-fired power station, little blah, blah, And he just turned to me and said, Dad, we should just turn it off. I said, yeah, mate, I don't know. Why don't we just do that? Well, <laughs> I can't give you a good reason. We just think that money is too well, important. Well, you know? no, <laughs> I mean, there is, I, I, will, I will add one wrinkle to it. It's sort of like yeah. you want to, you want to, transition but you don't want of to course do it so do. fast as to we're all we're all sitting around candles but yes yes i yeah. do largely agree yeah but dad why wasn't why wasn't this done earlier why didn't etc etc all that kind of good stuff um you know should we should we've organized that before now um yeah, yeah. Well, you know it's like how do you explain how do you explain to kids that adults are just stupid and and selfish and not very smart i just it, it, it is it you know I, I, out of the mouths yeah. of bay it's like why don't we well uh, I, I, no, I, I can't answer that other than people did stupid things because they well felt like it my anyway. unfortunate response is well some people people who have lots of money and power uh-huh. get different rules to the rest of us that's really <laughs> yeah, point, that's really yeah. unfair dad yeah yes, yeah it yes. kind of is yeah that's right exactly. I'd, I'd probably be less concerned oh. if i was the one with all the money and power <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, yeah, is, yeah. which is why these things happen but yeah it's it's uh, anyway let's let's not go there depressing well, not go there. <laughs> hey mate uh, we got a we got a question uh from michael who actually sent it via our uh fool international mailbox so just a reminder if you ask any questions through please send them info at fool.com.au i'm not sure which website michael put in probably the american one i think but it finally made its way to us so that's a win all the way from america right via email or telegram or whatever they do these days uh possibly email he says hi scott and andrew i find your podcast interesting and informative that's a good start particularly around equity markets and strategies etc used for investing and not being stuck in one investment type of product I often think people make things, including investing, overly complicated. And people who are so conservative oh, yeah. in life, they hide their money under the soap, will throw cash at some company that will tips. There's no income or hopes of a profit anytime soon in the hope they'll find a 1,000 bagger. 
from listening to your podcast. My question is, other than your mention of Buffett theories and quotes, never heard of him, <laughs> how much value in any industry do you give to company management? I found from my experience, it is the single most important thing, no matter what industry when investing. I use the following as an example of my own experience. Michael says, I was driving from Sydney to Gosford and broke down and while waiting for the tow truck driver to pick me up, I realized just how many cars went past in the last two hours, with electric cars being in the news at the time. And I thought, man, if one in a hundred cars is electric, that's a hell of a lot of electric cars. So at the time I had 10K available to invest and essentially I bought 7K of Pilbara Minerals and 3K worth of Altura, I think it is, because they were cheaper. In my case, I was lucky because my Pilbara shares are worth about $70,000. Hashtag humble break. And the Altura, who are now called Morella, are worth about 100 bucks. Same product, selling to the same market, with the essential difference being management. I often hear analysts mention stocks and talk about them as part of industry with blanket statements. For example, now is not the time to be buying consumer stocks or fund manager or mining stocks, rather than on the management of specific companies. Uh, now, give me an example. Can I use an example, which I know, Scott, you all hate because it's a gold company. I don't hate gold companies. I just don't buy them. Anyway, it says Capricorn Metal is one of the best boards of management in the entire resources sector. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they are very, very, very clever people, says Michael. It is not the gold price that is the main risk for uh, Capricorn Metals, but rather the chairman or CEO falling off the perch. Anyway, back to my question. Is the quality of a company's management just a given? when researching and assessing what a company is worth? Because I rarely hear that mentioned on the various investment forums or shows. Or is that because they are only speaking broadly? Sorry if I have waffled on trying to make a point. No, it's a good one. I hope it is not a question that is a simple one to answer. Of course. Thanks very much for the show. And my only comment is it is way too short each week. Oh, gosh. Cheers from Mick. There you go, Mick. Well, he wants, he wants monster episodes, mate. We should do a Guinness World Record breaking podcast episode that goes for 58 hours i think is what you say or maybe not we could do um, it we could do it really great we, we absolutely could do it. really good question from mick um company management mate what do you what do you reckon it is simple answer actually yeah it's massively important it's one of the most important things um and as i've sort of you know stuck at this game for longer and longer i, I mentioned recently on the pod it's all the soft fuzzies you uh-huh. know um, qualitative things that, that are the biggest things, right? I mean, parachute me into name a company and it's destroyed within three months, right? <laughs> I just, I, it is. I'll do it half the time, I bet you. You yeah. know, it, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, is, it, is, it is so important and yet so difficult to, to mm-hmm. measure. Um, yeah. So what do you do about it? I mean, I think, yeah. I think track record <laughs> is, is one thing. I think consistency in communication and candidness in communication mm-hmm. is another thing. I think alignment is a big thing in terms of do they have shares, but that's you got to be careful with that. A lot of people just get given shares. It's just it's different. <laughs> you care more about shares you've paid for with your own money, and if you've got like you know half a percent of your wealth in a company, you're just not going to try as hard as if you've got thirty percent or something in there. You know, so it's sort of all of those things are, are worth looking at. Um, yeah. But yeah, the answer is simple. It it matters a hell of a lot. Hell of a lot. I mean, can it's I not, sorry, no, one no. more one one more thing on that though. Mm. Um there is speaking of uh buffet, um <laughs> what does he say? Uh you know, when a when a uh, an industry with a reputation for um mm-hmm. what's the word for uh, uh good economic uh, uh yeah. 
I went, oh gosh, I'm, I'm mangling. <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when an industry with I, a I bad reputation right now, yeah, when, right. yeah. When an industry with a bad reputation meets a management with a reputation for brilliance, it's the yes. industry's reputation that is maintained. Well so, done. Is that it? You know, something like that. Well and, and 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 so what I'm saying here is, you could take yes. the world's smartest person, um, the mm -hmm. best manager, and put them yeah. into a very very poor business. And you know, th th there's only so much you you can do there. So. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that while I'm speaking out, out of both sides of my mouth, but yeah, management is massively important, but you also want something. Another Buffett thing is, you know, you want a business that a ham sandwich can run, right? Because <laughs> exactly. sooner or later it is. So, I mean, this is this is the nature of investing. There's, I've often said you get a piece of paper, you draw a line down the middle, pros and cons. And there's no business in the world that's just all pros and there's nothing nothing against it. But yep. But good quality management, um, uh, and, uh, and, a, and a high quality business model uh, is a, a right up there, right up there. Hundred percent. I um, I think I, yeah, I think I've absolutely nailed it. I, I I was glad you brought the business business quality thing in. I am going to take a just a slight point of disagreement with you, Mick, because I, so and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it just because I want to pre pre uh, present the contrarian or the the opposite view just to make sure we don't make things too simplistic. So you talk about the electric vehicles you saw driving down the road. I've used the example a million times, I said, Andrew, we've got to update our examples. But essentially, if you've said, I was at the airport for two hours in 1973, and I saw all these planes flying over and I thought, man, so many planes. There's got to be a fortune being made. People are going to drive even, if only one in a hundred planes is full of people, and then there's more, and then imagine how much money I'd make buying airlines. And of course, the entire industry went broke despite the theme being right. Uh, so there's that. I think when it comes to gold, I take your point a little bit, mate, where you say it's not the gold price is the main risk for Capricorn, but the chairman or CEO falling off the perch. I think that might not give it the full range of risks because if the price of gold was to halve, short of these guys being able to somehow, I don't know what they would need to do, Capricorn would make a loss. Now, so would everybody else. So you can be the least worst business in the space, but the least worst airline also still made a massive loss, right? So that that's I, I just want to I just want to kind of highlight that I think you're absolutely right that if you're looking for differentiators from the industry, so who is going to do best in the gold industry? It's probably Capricorn. Uh, if you're saying, well, Pilbara is going to do better than Altura, who are now called Morella, uh, because they got better management, those things are absolutely true. But the best best cannabis CEO, we talked about that a few weeks ago, uh, couldn't help save that business. You know, the best buy now, pay later CEO couldn't save your share price. The best airline CEO, Alan Joyce, God love him. I, I think he's done a spectacular job. He gets a lot of grief from a lot of people. And by the way, may well be justified in five or so years time. We'll see how much uh, uh, underinvestment was done during his reign. But he, he's going to leave Qantas without the company going broke in an airline. That's a great thing. So has he been, has he done a good job as, as the CEO? Thank, yeah, thanks, to us as, thanks to us as, thanks to us as, Taxpayers, but anyway, totally, that's a, that's totally, a whole right? separate but, but thing. On, but, but he's done a lot of things as well. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's almost the point. If you can go to the government and say, can I please have a billion and a half dollars? And the government says, oh, sure, Alan, here you go. I mean, th those things are all wrapped up. You're, you're right, we've ran about that before. Mm. Um, I have to go back to that too, by the way. I love a big, uh, a bit of uh, a bit of kicking governments, handing out free cash. Um, to, but yeah, to, to I, the I, mates. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the reality is that, you know, so does company management matter? Yes. Is Qantas better run than Virgin? In my view, Yes. Um, you know, is Capricorn a better gold mine than others? I don't know, but I, I accept, Mick, if you've done the work, you're probably right. But it's not going to, as Andrew, Andrew's point, not going to save you from 
terrible economics as a business, nor from its higher sectors worth of downturn. And so, I, I, you know, I think it's just worth asking, you know, for uh, over, it, it didn't matter who the best supermarket CEO was over the last 30 years. Coles and Woolies have done spectacularly well, right? They just, they just have and they just do. They didn't, at Andrew's point about the ham sandwich is true. In the telco space, during the, what, mate, probably 2010s, you, you know, you and I could have run a telco each and made a fortune. Because mm-hmm. there was massive amounts of consolidation. Uh, you know, think about the Vocus, Amcom, M2, Telstra, TPG. Uh, you know, they, they all did really, really well during that period of time because that was just, a, it, was a, it was a gold rush for telco uh, um, capacity. So, you know, in that circumstance, we would say, oh, it's obviously the management doing well. It might have been someone else. But again, if you're in the wrong business at the wrong time, the reverse is also true. But by the so way, it's, wanna... al- it's always management's brilliance when things go well. Yeah, and, when, exactly. and when it doesn't, it's like our industry forces, industry. macroeconomic conditions. You know. Correct. Now, I want to say absolutely, despite all the things I just said, Mick, I, I wanted to underscore the fact that I don't think anyone should believe, in my view, that the quality management is the most important thing. I absolutely don't think it is. I think the dynamics of the industry are the most important thing because Alan Joyce, Warren Buffett, right? How good, how good a manager is Warren Buffett? Spectacular. He still bought and ended up shutting down a textile mill. He bought and shut down a shoemaker uh, because they were just bad businesses and he made a mistake. And despite his brilliance, um, couldn't couldn't save it. There are, there are managers who have, you know, had great first acts and terrible second acts because they just kind of go, oh, you know, Richard Branson built a wonderful airline and then built a terrible cola company. You know, does it make him a terrible manager? Well, maybe. Maybe he was lucky the first time and unlucky the second time. Maybe he was really good the first time and really bad the second time. Maybe he was really good the first time and unlucky the second time. Those those combinations of things are always true. So to Andrew's point that you made sort of obliquely then, mate, you've got to look at the management's genuine ability to add specific value rather than fall in the right place. Maybe, I, I don't know the people at Capricorn Metals. I don't want to not criticize them at all. Maybe they just landed on the right, they got lucky, they landed on the right, you know, asset to run Mm, mm. Uh, someone else lands on the wrong asset to run are they terrible managers I don't know again uh, quickly as we finish off Buffett incentivizes his managers not on the outcomes but on the controllables Mm. for that exact reason if he's if he's employing oil companies executives he's not going to pay them on profit based on the total oil price he's going to pay them on efficiency or price per barrel or number of injuries or lost time to injury the things that are controllable so I would do two things I would say what does the industry look like what are the things that are going to happen no matter who the CEO is? And then you say, on top of that, if that's still attractive enough, what can a good CEO add? And that's when you get, and my favorite business book is Good to Great. That's a great example of exactly what you're talking about, Mick, where they take two companies in similar positions and say, one went to the moon, the other went either nowhere or through the floor or somewhere in between. What differentiated them? And the answer is usually good management. So you're not wrong. I, I'm not, I don't disagree with you at all. I think you're, you're pretty much bang on. The only thing I would ask is just make sure as you think this through that you're really considering the things that that matter to the results and to the returns uh, and and then go from there. Yep. Um, Yes. Yeah, I mean, lithium's, I mean, it's a bit of a favorite whipping boy for me at the moment and has been for a while because people are both right and spectacularly wrong. Um, It is absolutely right that the world Mm. is going to need and use more lithium. You know, Mm. barring some new battery technology, which we shouldn't discount, by the way. Um, yeah. That, oh, totally. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, so I, I just I just Googled it while you were chatting there. World mm-hmm. Economic Forum has a nice chart. Back in 95, we were globally making about 9,500 tons of, of lithium mm-hmm. or extracting it. 
Today, it's 120,000 tons or something like that. Massive, absolutely massive. And it's only going in in one direction as the world scrambles for more and more and more. Just since like uh, November or December last year, this chart is from Trading Economics and it's in Yuan, but it's gone from 600,000 Yuan to 200,000 Yuan. So it's dropped 66% in price, at least according to this chart. How can both things be true? Mm -hmm. Well, it can be true because if you, Remember your high school chemistry, lithium's the third most abundant element in the universe, and it's actually incredibly mm. abundant in the Earth's crust. It's expensive to extract and the rest of it, but we're doing it. Mm. And, mm. you know, if you're selling water and I'm selling water, we're selling identical things, like at the molecular level. Like it, it, water is water is water, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know maybe we, we, can, we can separate between deuterium and tritterium mm. and, and mm. those kinds of things, but, you know, it's basically the same kind of thing. And so more demand increases prices, again, Mm -hmm. basic economics. More Uh prices mean that I've got more profitable, lower-grade mines and production becomes more profitable. I've got more economic Mm -hmm. incentive to go out and find and and dig up or extract the stuff. It's actually not digging, but you know what I mean. Um, uh, Be from brine and all this other kind of stuff. But but that brings on more supply, which brings Mm -hmm. down the price. Now, a commodity, any kind of commodity – will always, over the long term, trade just above the marginal cost of production mm. because higher prices stimulate more supply and more supply brings back price. So we, there'll, there'll be periods where it really diverges. I mean, just using that same chart from 2021 to, to the end of last year, I mean, the lithium price went from 50,000 yuan to 600,000 yuan. It was a massive increase. That's because we all demand it and this, it takes time for the supply response to come in. Humans being humans and people, humans, when it comes to the share market, especially, we just extrapolate. Look at that chart. That's going to go up forever. No, it's not. Because at at a certain point, it it becomes so, it's worth so much that I Mm. I can have the most inefficient operation and still have a profit margin that will be there. So it's, yes, it is is a really, really wonderful example of Mm. something being absolutely more demanded and yet, really, the economics not being there. Now, I think the people who really play in this space and know it, they, what they do is they say, well, the price is lithium is going really well. It's likely to sort of start there. Uh, uh, that demand is likely to be maintained. The people who are going to benefit are the people who are producing now or about to be producing now mm-hmm. because they get to make hay while the sun shines. They know full well that more supply will come on. But right now, it's going to take a while. And so for a, for a while there, they were making out like bandits. Mm-hmm. But, but the world will, will change. It has changed. That's why the prices the prices come down, not because because all of a sudden we've decided we don't want lithium. Not being kind, exactly. Yeah, that's, we've right, got a lot, that's we've got a lot. We've got a lot more of it. So yeah. that, I think this is a really good thing. And you, you talked mm-hmm. about airlines Mm. And it doesn't traditionally fit the mold, but an airline seat is a commodity. Now, people will argue with that. But if I need to go to Melbourne, um, I really don't care. It's an hour right. in a seat. It's cramped. It's uncomfortable. i got to deal, you know, whatever. <laughs> now, yep. someone will say, oh, but Qantas has better in-flight entertainment and slightly better. Yeah, okay, that's true. Will people pay more for that? Probably. Will I pay three times as much? What pricing right. power do they really, really have there? And, mm-hmm. and that is, for me, I want to see a company that does have that pricing power. I have the ability to create, to take in raw materials 
even if those raw materials are just human capital and and, yes. and and turn that into something of value that other people can't easily replicate. Mm-hmm. Again, well-used example, Apple is the only company in the world that can give you an iPhone. No one else mm-hmm. can do it, right? Yes, there are pretty good other Android phones out there. I'm an Android user, you know, very happy with, with that kind of stuff. But it's not an iPhone. And for whatever reason, the world thinks that iPhones are better and they charge a much better price. That is not a commodity. That is the power of brand. They're made of glass and silicon Mm -hmm. and plastic and the same thing is- Make phone calls, you can search the net. Yeah, it's exactly exactly the same kind of thing. So you, I think you definitely love to have a business that has an industry tailwind. There's wind in your sails because the industry itself is growing. There could be multiple winners. All of us can kind of win because the whole pie is getting larger and larger and larger. That's a really, really great place to start. But you want to be within that. You want to be the company that has that has something about it, some kind of economic moat, some kind of competitive edge or advantage, whether that's in its scale advantages, whether it's in network effects, whether it's in brand power or other intangible, some kind of regulatory advantage that they have, because they will be able to 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 extract far more value from all of that. I think a really great tell, if you ever want to ask yourself, does a company have some kind of competitive edge, look at the net profit margins. If the net profit margins are like 20% and they have been for a while in a market where there are lots of competitors, there's something, something is going on there, right? (laughs) Exactly. Because it's the whole Bezos, your margin is my opportunity. If, If I can easily make something that the world will see as entirely equivalent to an iPhone, and I, they, what is it? What's an iPhone worth these days? Fifteen hundred bucks, and I'm happy to charge a thousand bucks. It's all profit for me. I'm still happy to do it. But it's a bit. It's it's yeah. I think I've made the point. Hopefully that makes sense. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. All right, mate. Look, let's go do something a little bit different. Uh, this time, a question from Phil, who says, "Hi, guys." Phil here. A possible point of discussion for the podcast. I've heard the topic discussed a bit on the pod and in other places of selling shares at a loss when the buying thesis is broken with the side benefit that you can use the loss to offset some capital gains in the same year. A possible problem I've discovered the hard way with this in the past and one I haven't really heard discussed much is that it wipes out the 50% capital gains tax discount benefit of the long-term holdings you sell in that same year at a profit that you offset the losses against. This is because any capital losses are first offset against short-term gains and then long-term gains before the 50% discount is applied. The bottom of the capital gains tax report in share site demonstrates this quite well. Worth considering when deciding whether to sell loss-making shares in the same year, you have long-term gains. Now, I'm going to suggest that I don't know that Phil is wrong here, but I am going to suggest, and Phil, I, I would love some some thoughts back if you want to. I think, I won't say this is the point, but the reality is that any tax saving is a tax saving. And that if you wait till next year and then use those capital gains, I mean, you may be able to sort of work out which year to sell them in based on which year you've made certain profits or something else. Uh, and so maybe there's some cash flow benefit. Maybe there's even a slightly less tax to pay in those periods of time. But a couple of thoughts, Phil. First, uh, I'm not sure over a long enough period of time whether it's going to matter. 
if you can't offset those capital losses in the next year because you've got no profits to offset, you actually then have to carry those losses further forward. So they're less useful for you in terms of the, the time value of money. A dollar now is worth more than a dollar in future. But maybe more importantly, mate, and I, I think for me, this is, this is you, you make the point of your question, which is if, you've, if, you've, if the thesis is bust, holding onto those shares into a new financial year on the off chance that maybe possibly things won't get worse in the meantime, or that you couldn't put that money to work in a better idea in the meantime, uh, might potentially be putting the cart before the horse. Now, if the numbers are big enough, like really, really big, maybe there's a conversation there. Uh, but again, because you can't utilize those losses for multiple years into the future, and frankly, we've done nothing if not rant about inflation of the past month or so, um, the, you know, the, the dollar value of that lost opportunity for X period of time, again, maybe June 30, J July 1, maybe there's something there. Again, Phil, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I just wanted to, I just want to look at the bigger picture because if the thesis is broken, uh, you know, sell them anyway. And if you get to offset to get some lots, some, some gains, even better. I just think holding, imagine holding AMP for years, just waiting for the right gain to offset it against as the shares fall further and further and further. Uh, remember, you've got to have lost money to use it. It's kind of like negative gearing. Um, there's, no, there's, no, there's, no, there's no free money there. It's like, well, you can have a bit of a less of a loss. That's kind of the way I see the, the capital loss offset uh, when it comes to, to taxation. But do you have a thought, mate? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I, I clarify the language a little bit more. You still get the 50% discount. I mean, absolutely yeah. you do. You've just got to apply, as you say, as you rightly say, you apply the losses in, in that order. Yes. Um, so it's more about looking not at individual positions, but your entire investment performance over a given financial Correct. year. Correct. How much of the capital gains I'm on the hook for, subtract any of that from, uh, you know, any losses I've made against that. So this is on, on in aggregate how I yes. ended up and and then I'll get to apply a 50% discount on on the gains where that where that's applicable. Um, yeah, so oh gosh, people do some really wild things in the name of tax. It's just crazy. I mean, you you mentioned negative gearing, which is exactly where I was going to go. I mean, the the yep. The idea that I intentionally lose money will be seen in future as, as the most bizarre thing. I know it's worked very well. I know it has, but it only works when the capital gains are sufficient. And it's not just about mm. property. It's about any kind of in, in investment. It's just, mm. you've said it before really well, which is a smart investor looks to maximize their after-tax returns. Yeah. No question. That Yes, yes. obviously. I want to, I want to minimize... The, the I don't want to start. I don't. I mean, what's what's if I have to? Let's say I buy something today, and mm. tomorrow it goes up a thousand x, and it's just a complete bubble or whatever. You know, am I really not going to sell that because it might mean I'm going to have to pay a bunch of tax? I've said before, if if the ATO says to me this financial year. Oh, you owe us ten million dollars in tax. I am going to be the happiest person on the planet. Not because I love paying heaps of tax, but because the only way that scenario is true is because I've made an absolute killing that is out there. So you might be able, someone else might be able to say, "Oh, I paid much less tax than you." And it's like, yeah, but you made much less money than me after tax. <laughs> yeah, right. He who pays less want? tax doesn't necessarily win. Exactly, that's right. What do that's you right. want? You know. Yeah. So anyway, so yes, no, I think you've, I think you've answered it well. I wouldn't no. use it. It's just, it's a nice silver lining to a loss that yes. you get, that you get to do this, but, yes. but always, always just, just focus on the quality of the things that you're holding and then do what you can to minimize tax around that. Yes. But, but don't, don't let the, don't put the cart before the horse. 
Now, I'm going to do something. Uh, I'm going to take on a challenge here because I'm going to try and read something from the ATO's website and make okay. it interesting on the podcast. So I'll get my, I'll get my pillow. If your eyes are going to glaze over exactly, just just watch me car crash this one if that's of any interest to keep you keep you entertained and, and involved. Because there is, Phil, the, the ATO actually has a slightly different take on the way the tax losses can be applied. So let me run through this for you. So calculating CGT yourself. So by the way, go to, uh, it's, it's the calculating your CGT page in the ATO. I'm not going to read out the URL, you'll find it. But it's calculating your CGT. Step one, work out what you received. Step two, I'm summarizing clearly. Step two, work out your costs. Step three, subtract the cost from what you received. Okay, got that. If it's more than zero, you got a gain. If it's less than zero, you got a loss. Cool, we're good so far. Step five, and this is why it doesn't matter, Phil, to your point. If you have a net capital loss carried from previous years, subtract this first, then subtract your capital losses from the current year. But here's the key one. And this is the ATO. We're not tax advisors. This is the ATO's own text. I'll read it and I'll, I'll read this one literally word for word. Quote, you can choose which capital gains to subtract your losses from. If you have any capital gains that are not eligible for the CGT discount, subtract your losses from these gains first. This will give you the best result, brackets, the lowest CGT, close bracket, end quote. So that's very, very clear to my mind. You can choose which gains you want to offset your losses against. In other words, if you have a a, a, a gain which is not attracting the CGT discount, you can at least apply the losses to that first and that would actually mean you pay less capital gains tax. Now the rest of it, you apply a 50% discount and go on from there. But I just wanted, I just wanted to highlight that up front. Um, you subtract the, you do it by asset by asset, but then apply the losses to a given asset and you can mm. pay the lowest possible CGT on that basis. So again, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to give you more thoughts on that. Ask your tax accountant as always. Check the ATO's website as always. I just want to read that out because it was a bit clearer than I think Phil may have suggested or at least than I took from, from Phil's comment. And either way, uh, better that we try and make it as clear as we possibly can. Mm. Anything to add to that, mate? No, no. Tick. I'm disappointed, mate, that we've got some time left on this podcast because I've got a question from Jonathan that I'd really rather than ask. And Jonathan, you have my eternal disdain. You have my eternal... <laughs> Uh, I, I think I know where this is going. Let, let's just say, Jonathan, I hope your chooks turn into emus and kick your dunny down, mate. Hi, Scott and Andrew, he says. I'm a long-time listener, occasional heckler. Love it. I've been listening from the start when Andrew was the pod boss, through the days of Scott's promotion of pod boss when Andrew wasn't there, and now back to Rambo as guest. At this juncture of the email, I'm aware you'd like very positive comments about the pod. So here you go. See, I've never said you always. You have. Say, you've trained people. You really have. So you keep implying, but I, I don't think I've ever. Anyway, <laughs> one of the many things you do really well, says Jonathan, is that you genuinely love everyone's questions. Not a question goes by without comments from both of you, like, great question. This is a really good question. I love this question, etc. This is very affirming for the questioner, says Jonathan. Jonathan, after that, you know I'm not going to say great question because I know what's coming and you know what's coming and Andrew can assume what's coming and the listeners are dreading what's coming, but here we go. Perhaps with only yourselves to talk to for hours, any question from outside is wonderful. It's also probably true. Anyway, true. to my question, which is not a very good question. I've been very much enjoying your podcasts, especially the April 2 podcast, that was a while ago, where both, though mainly Andrew, talk about Bitcoin. So 
I don't hey. even know why Jonathan's asking this question. Seriously, you went to the question. I, I, Jonathan must have been asleep, I think, at, at the end of that thing and ever since. So, he says, do either of you have any interest in other coins, major or minor? He mentions BNB, which I thought was a hotel accommodation, Ethereum, Solana, which sounds like a terrible 1980s Toyota, Cardano, which also sounds like a 1980s Toyota. I suspect I know Scott's answer, but Andrew's not so much. Is having Bitcoin adequate exposure to crypto? Asked Jonathan. Or are we better having some diversity of coins? Pot on, Jonathan. I'm still sure Jonathan is taking the Mickey here. I'm. I'm. I, I don't know. I, I'm. You know, if I if I planted this myself just to rile you, I'd have a wry smile. I'm not entirely sure Jonathan's kidding, but I very, 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 very much already know your answer, Andrew. Unless you want to surprise yes. me, do we need exposure to other cryptos, Andrew? No. No. <laughs> Bitcoin. There sure, is no diverse, second diversification. Best. Diversification. No. Surely no. you wouldn't you wouldn't preach concentration. Surely. Surely. No. This is the big problem that we have is that it, it's this false equivalence. It's like show. saying the little reactor we have out at Lucas Heights is the equivalent <laughs> to a nuclear warhead. You know, what they have something in common. They both use you know, nuclear fission technology. But that's where the similarity begins and ends, you know. A banana has sugar in it and a Twinkie has sugar in it. So bananas and Twinkies are the same thing. And and it's 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 very frustrating. I take it back, but, Jonathan. I really, really do love this question and I appreciate it very much. I mean, you and me, I could not be. I, this is the thing. Whether it's Elizabeth Warren or Scott Phillips, I'm in 100% agreement that, you know, that this is yeah. something that is an absolute blight on society and needs to be... It, what it is, someone just figured out that that there's a lot of money to be made here by by trying to sort of say, oh, we're Bitcoin, but better. And it's very understandable because most technologies, something came along and then something better came along. And then, you know, oh, Bitcoin transactions are slow. The box size is not big enough. Or this one does this and this one does that. And this is better. And we don't we really don't have time to get into to uh, all of that. All that the interest kind of stuff, frankly. I mean, no, sorry, that was just me. But, but there is there is <laughs> it is. And it, it also comes across as very ideological, because if you mm. were to get, I don't know, a Cardano or a Monero person, they would say, no, 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 this is better. And, you know, so there's a lot of this kind of stuff here. But the short answer is, yeah, they both use cryptographic techniques. They both use, quote, unquote, blockchain technology. Um, but w where they are really qualitatively different is that mm. one is issued by a security, by a company, by a corporate entity. There are people that have, is, is, have pre-mined, so they've, they've They've kicked things off and they've given themselves and their mates a bunch of coins. They have absolute control. So they can get in there and they can change the code whenever they want. It has very little adoption relative to Bitcoin so that you don't have the same kind of network effects. You don't have the same kind of security elements. You don't have any of this kind of stuff. It's, if, I can, if I can change something, I mean, here's, here's, a, here's an analogy. Gold is a commodity, right? Because no one can create gold. Well, actually, that's not true. We can actually. <laughs> we, can't create any all along. we can't We can't create meaningful quantities <laughs> of gold in the lab. Uh, kind of the only way to make gold is through a supernova and, um, you know, of any, any reasonable quantity. And there's no boss. There's no CEO of gold, right? There's nothing that the SEC or ASIC or anyone can do to change the amount of gold in the world. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it is a commodity. 
Now, it's very hard for people to wrap their head around it. And it's why it just does take a very long sort of journey of discovery and research to sort of get to it. But I will say with the straightest of straight faces, <laughs> that Bitcoin is a commodity. And in, in, in if, if you want to, there's actually precedent for this long before this stuff came along called the Howey test. When, when regulators started to wrestle with, well, what is something that is a, what's called a security and what mm. is something that we might call a commodity like oil or wheat or soybeans or gold or silver or platinum or these other kinds of things. Mm. Bitcoin, is a, Bitcoin is a commodity and, and it's the only one that is a commodity. And that's why it's special. There's no boss there. This, this is, China banned Bitcoin mining and now it's, and it's the second biggest Bitcoin miner. Most, this, um, yeah, it's the jurisdiction in which the second highest amount of Bitcoin mining occurs. You wow. can't stop it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, no more than China can ban gold. Right? Like, okay, I, you don't want to get caught with it, but there's a Push lot of, you know, if, yeah, if I've yeah. got a b block under the ground, you can't do or know anything about that kind of stuff. And it's a very, very profound idea that there mm. can be something that is digital and not physical and yet be and have these properties. That's the, that's the big deal here. That's the big deal. I've got everything that gold has, except I can transmit it over the internet. Like, mm. wow. And, you know, I can, I can assay it. I can prove it. I can break it up into 100 million Satoshis. I can do all, I can program it. I can do all kinds of things. And there's nothing that you or anyone on the face of the planet can do about it. And that is not true for Ethereum. It is not true for Cardano. It's not true for all of, that's why they're called, pardon the language, shit coins. They are. And the people <laughs> who do this are making money off you. Mm. money and they're getting it and they're dumping it they're either buying bitcoin with it or they're dumping it into the us dollars or something like that and everyone has got rugged on this again and again what what blows my mind is is that it's a very understandable equivalence that people drew and then in 2022 we saw what happened everything kind of blew up and it all blew up because people were trading unregistered securities Right. And, and, and we've got very good securities laws here in Australia and over in the US to prevent this kind of thing. And guess what has been the response? The response is we're cracking down on this. We're regulating mm. this. We're shutting this exchange. We're doing that as they should. Right. I'm 100 percent in agreement with that. But the, just because something has a cryptographic process on it doesn't mean that anything that has a cryptographic process is the same kind of thing. And I don't have time to go into all the detail and no oh, one wants to hear me crap ago. on about it. Was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, and I, I'm, I'm not saying this as an ideologue. Mm. I'm saying this after yeah. hours and hours yeah. and hours and hours and hours of research and having that epiphany of that this is a legitimate fund. You know, it's just, it, it is, it is a legitimate breakthrough in computer science. It is something that the world has never had before. And the world is now different that we've got this. And, you know, this is the other crazy thing, right? Despite all of the nonsense and grift and scam and everything, <laughs> yeah. if you want to look at, put this on Strawman actually the other day, no, number of wallets with more than a million, uh, sorry, with more than one Bitcoin just hit a million recently. It's only going right. up and to the left. Number of hash rate on the network has been going up. Number of Bitcoin wallets with any kind of given volume has been going. Every metric that you care to look at shows mm. that the adoption is growing, not just a little bit, but strongly through a bear market. Mm. Mm. Now, when Ponzi's collapse, when but you mentioned Bernie Madoff before, when he got found out, that was it. Parties are when a Ponzi breaks, it breaks. It's over. You know. Yeah. Yeah. This is not this is not a Ponzi, right? No, it doesn't mean that you have to adopt it or anyone has to yep. adopt it. You yep. Do what you like. It's a free market. People. The the fact is is that people 
some people, increasingly large number of people do like it. Mm. I don't play Fortnite. I'm pretty sure you don't play Fortnite. I don't play but Fortnite. But to a lot, of, a lot of people, V-Bucks are real. And they are real. Yeah. I can say, oh, it's all stupid. Well, it's not to them. A lot of people collect yeah. baseball cards. That's a medium of change. Exactly. Totally. Yeah, it's yeah, stupid. Yeah. I don't know. It's yep. a piece of paper. What's the point? No, no, it's not. It's <laughs> humans. <laughs> we... So much in our world is made up, right? And, and it's just, it's valuable because we think it's valuable, right? Mm. Diamonds are a really great example of this. We can now make diamonds much better than, than what nature can make. And wow. yeah, oh yeah, we, we've, we've, we've got the technology. And again, like That's with working. lithium or with water, it's, just, it's carbon, right? It's just an arrangement of carbon atoms. Mm. Mm. Uh, and yet, and yet people still value this thing. Through some very clever marketing, this whole actually fascinating yeah, story behind right. De Beers and all and all the rest of it, but yeah. but it but it but it is nonsense. Does that mm-hmm. mean that 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 if you gave me a bag of diamonds, I wouldn't be happy? No, no because I know that there's someone out there who will see value in that and exchange it for me. So it's mm-hmm. all we're all just slightly less hairy, slightly smarter monkeys, and we've decided <laughs> what what we think is of value, and and this is something that is that is untouched by humans and can't be touched by humans in the same way that gold, you know, so, so we, we, oh man, it's just such a profound idea. I'm, I'm going to shut up now because I'll just keep on going, but it's all I will say is this. And I'm, I'm not saying this because it doesn't benefit me in any way. Right. Cause I'm not the CEO or the boss or anything of, of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will get rugged guaranteed. And I would say virtually 99.999% of all crypto are going to zero. And in fact, if you look at those charts priced in Bitcoin, they are all going down, right? Mm-hmm. We've got it. We've got money always, money always tends to the, to, the, to, the best, to the best form of value, always has throughout history. And, you know, there was a point in time where I could exchange she- seashells for value, you know, um, I can't do that anymore. Everything collapsed into gold and then everything collapsed in, into fiat. My thesis is over the next hundred years, everything will collapse into into uh, into Bitcoin, um, and and all I'll say is, do the work. Don't be succumbed by the get rich quick or the the promises for slightly better technical attributes and the rest of it. It's just there's only one that has the ethical mm-hmm. component to it, the one that is beyond human control, and and that's Bitcoin. I'll die on this hill, now, mate. I, I will die on this hill. <laughs> I will die listening to. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, so I'm going to add my my investors, advisors, portfolio kind of thoughts to this one, mate, because you've done a wonderful job of describing the assets themselves. And I want to take that to the next point when it comes to Jonathan's question about portfolios, because I, I I'm a massive, massive, massive fan of diversification. Really, really important. But I'm also, I've been known to say, I probably said this podcast more than once, don't be like Noah. You don't need two of everything. All right. <laughs> don't buy two airline stocks just because they're there. Don't buy two lithium miners just because they're there. If you want to buy them for the right reason, buy them. Don't buy them just because they're there. And when it comes to diversification, it's one thing to say, hey, maybe I should have more than one cryptocurrency. I would. It sounds would smart, right? You, it's hard to argue right. against. From, from the periphery, it's like, yeah, well, that just seems prudent. Correct. Except yeah. that if the diversification option, now I'm not a big Bitcoin fan. Everyone knows that, nor am I a massive bear. But generally speaking, only, the only, point, only reason to diversify, if you've got one great airline and one airline's about to go broke, don't buy two just for diversification. If there's one great supermarket, another terrible supermarket, don't buy two just. So, so and Jonathan, I know you know this, but I just, I guess I wanted to make that point that if, if there were, and maybe there are, Andrew might be wrong uh, for all we know, but he's probably not. Uh, if there were two or three or four cryptocurrencies that were worth owning 
for, for their own sake that gave you that diversification benefit then i would probably say if you're going to play in this space it'd be diversified in that space i think that's a perfectly good point to make if you believe that you can choose from and collate a portfolio of quality assets whatever they are uh, metals, cryptocurrencies, shares, houses. You know, don't don't buy a great house and a terrible house just so you've got two, right? Um, so, and I know, I know that you, you didn't say that, Jonathan. I'm not I'm not trying to paint too direct a picture. Um, but to Andrew's point, you know, given someone who's in the space, who's done all the work, who used to own, I'm almost 100 certain Ethereum back in the day, mate. Before you, saw yeah, it. I that, did. Yeah, right? I, I yeah. got sucked yeah. in. Yep. And, I, all of us do, working. right? All of the Bitcoin. It's a funny thing when you talk to we we all we all shitcoin at some point, right? Okay. You know, until you see the light. Yeah. And so that's, you know, and so my point is that, you know, in, in that circumstance, at one point, Andrew thought a couple of great cryptos, a couple of good options, maybe one or both do well, I'll buy them both because it's a good idea. At some yeah. point when you say, actually, that asset's not worth owning anymore, you Thesis get Thesis broken. And I think that- Thesis broken. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, and by the way, so, I reserve the right to, in a couple of years, I might change my mind on this too. Mm, and mm. and I'm sure I'll get a lot of grief for it, but that's that's- <laughs> It's the best you can do as a Major human investing. in this mad, uh, crazy universe, right? Here's, the, correct, here's correct. the facts as I see them. Here's my reasoning as I see them. The person who goes, that's it. That's, that's set in stone now forever. I yeah, mean, right. if that was the you case, we'd still mind. be worshipping yeah, yeah. Zeus. And, you know, it yeah. just, there, there are, there are, there are, there some is. Some still are. There is none. Some people probably do, <laughs> right? But, but, but. The true, the true believers, just, mate. Yeah. But it, it's, it's like there's, there's. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, there, there's an element of trust in that. And there's an element mm. that this, I mean, my, my thesis is basically it will continue. I, I, the network will continue to operate as designed. And that's a very big statement, but it's one that when you, when you dig into it, you go, oh my gosh, yes, that's mm. actually, actually extraordinarily likely. Um, and that adoption will increase. If those two things mm -hmm. are true, it's my thesis that they are, that that this thing only increases in value. I don't know, drop down 50% a hundred times between then and now, and it'll take years, years and yeah. years and years and years. Yeah. On the weekend, Indonesia, the fourth largest, uh, um, oh, geez, one of the biggest countries and economies in the world are now going into Bitcoin mining. You know, it's sort of, it's pretty interesting, right? Like there's, of all of the, of all of this, everyone just looks at the price. And everyone just loves it. Like with the dot-com era, right? I mean, at dot-com, oh, we're using the internet. Wow, it's like, oh, but we're doing it this way. And everyone gets in. Everyone wants a bit of a halo effect of this thing. But there is, there's one legitimate invention. It was the internet. Um, and the rest was, the rest was, was Ponzi and Grift. And, and mm. we're seeing it play out again. And it will die. Um, but it's, we just have to go through this process. And unfortunately, a lot of people are going to, and already have, have, have absolutely done their dough. By, by speculating on on things that people made up and control. Why would why would you have a any kind of currency where a small group of people can change it tomorrow? I don't what am I what am I buying? I'm buying that mm -hmm. on the hope that you guys over there do the right thing, not just now and next year, but ten years and a hundred years from now. No way would I put my money into anything that's like that. Um, but something that is immutable and immortal. Mm, that's starting to sound a lot more like gold, and and mm. with with none of the baggage of gold and none of none of the the, the difficulties with gold, all the advantages yeah. of, of of digital technology combined with all the advantages of a hard money asset, and you have a you have a discovery that is a once in a civilization discovery. It's like the wheel yeah. of fire, big big bold call. People rolling their eyes right now. I can feel you rolling your eyes. 
just just do the work, right? Don't don't take my word for it. Don't trust verify is the meme. Sometimes if uh, people roll their eyes, mate, you should also pay attention to that. Anyway, uh, let's, Jonathan, as I said, I, I love that. I didn't. I hated that question. Then I love the question. And then at the end of this, I'm just wishing I hadn't asked the question. So, you know, you can make your own judgment from that. Mate. I Choose don't get why you're you so against it. I just, all I would say, I don't <laughs> get theater, it. Mate. It's all I theater. Mean, it's all theater. It was, it was mentioned before too, back in the day when, when you mm. and I were first doing this podcast. Mm. Uh, you were the one who bought Bitcoin and yeah, exactly. I was the one sure. laughing at you, it. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm really proud of that, actually. I, I, I love- you, you absolutely should I, be. I, I think other, other I think, than the fact you should have listened to me in the first place, obviously. But you know, you, you came around eventually. Uh, if I had listened to you, mate, I'd have a lot more value right now. Right? Well, if you if put that much money, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, change your mind. Cha- be open to it. And I think too often the problem is people see something, they go, "Oh, it's stupid," mm-hmm. and 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 that's it. That's where the research begins and ends. Mm-hmm. But Charlie Munger is, and this is Munger hates Bitcoin, right? Um, you know, he says, "Take a wild idea and take it seriously." And that's yeah. where I started with all of this. Because just as I said to you before, just the damn thing wouldn't die. It kept on coming. I'm saying, right, okay, I'm going to look at it so I can, when it comes up, I can really put an, uh, uh, a stake into the heart of this thing and move on to, to more interesting things. And I just orange-pilled myself in the process. I just I couldn't, right. I couldn't find a flaw in it. And then, and then I've gone deeper and deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. I was like, huh, all these crazy laser-eyed people on Twitter <laughs> actually have a point. <laughs> it's really fascinating. Maybe not for the reasons they think, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, 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 a, it's a wild idea, man. It, re- yeah. it really is. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, let's, uh, let's, let's move on. Let's, uh, well, so a couple, a couple. I want to just say a fun question I was asked on Twitter. Uh, hi, this is Lisa. My bestie happens to be single at present. She's seeking someone nice and sweet and mostly matured. If you're a gentleman over the age of 30, I think you two might be matched at her on WhatsApp. Thank you, Lisa, but I assume you're not listening to the podcast. And uh, while I appreciate that, I'm going to give it a miss. Uh, just a bit of, bit of comment. <laughs> Mate, uh, last one for, for today. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Says, whoa, whoa. Well, let's, not, let's, not, let's not be so quick <laughs> to like dismiss that. it. Like, Maybe we should expand, don't you? Yeah, That's right. Yeah, send send my details, send my back details just in case. Because, you know, anything wow. could come of it. Um, speaking of fraudulent coins. Anyway, <laughs> Max says, G'day, Scott, Kogan, Drink, Phillips, and Andrew, it depends, Page. <laughs> I have one for the pod. I'm a 30-ish year old, yes, Scott, I know, bastard, and have a modest allocation in the S&P 500 using my SMSF. Being fairly open with risk at this age, I've heard of a new AFC Uzbekistan fund. Absolutely no one is talking about this yet. Has Pass. a few red flags. <laughs> Sorry? Pass. Pass? No. The answer is no. Should I, should I finish the question? Yeah, please. Please. Okay. <laughs> no one is talking about this yet. Has a few red flags. Minimal investment is 10 grand. Located in the Cayman Islands. Okay. Huge red flags. Pass. It sounds like a Ponzi scheme like FTX. Quote, calm down, Andrew. This is not an invitation for a crypto <laughs> rant. End quote. It is a current example. My question is, how do I get exposure to countries like Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan without going through dodgy companies? I'd like to swing at the fences with my personal investing and leave their heavy lifting for my SMSF. Also loving the good oil, insert plug. Thank you, Max. All the best. Full on. So I love, I love the fact Max has gone, yeah, I mean, should, you know, start, started with the idea of like, this thing sounds terrible. I don't know the AFC Uzbekistan fund. I'm not going to invite uh, legal action by being too personally critical of it, other than to say, as Andrew says, pass. And I do like the fact Max goes, yeah, huge red flags. But mm. 
His question is actually not a silly one, mate, which is if he's looking for emerging markets, in this case, he's talking about Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan for reasons he doesn't go into, so I don't know why. Um, but if you're looking for emerging market stuff, if you're looking to swing for the fences, take a bit more risk. A, is it a good idea? B, if it is, how do you do it? Well, it might be a good idea, but what's why? What it, what what's underpinning mm-hmm. that notion that Uzbekistan is is going to generate a bunch of value for the world? And it sounds really nasty against anyone from there or against the country in general. It, it's not that, but gosh, it's a very competitive, cut and thrust global market against huge silverback gorillas with massive incumbency advantages. Huge advantages in rule of law and regul and um, mm, uh, mm. you know regulation and 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 tax regimes and and the rest of it. So for a country like that, can anything of value come out of it? Yeah, of course it can. Absolutely, it can. Has it to mm. date uh, at a large enough scale where it's actually meaningfully moving the dial in aggregate? No, probably because there's the institutions there aren't aren't as robust as as we would. Uh, we are very privileged to enjoy here. So I just think, uh, no, no, why? Why is there, there'll be a point maybe in the future where there's just zero interesting value opportunities uh, in my own backyard. And when that comes, I'll be forced to look elsewhere. But until that day comes, it's just sort of like, I am not only getting into, I'm getting into all kinds of sovereign mm. risk. I'm yeah. getting into all kinds of, Currency risk. I'm getting into all. I'm, I'm 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 investing in an area that I personally have never been and know next to nothing about. And yeah. and now, to be fair, the response might be: Well, actually, I know the country intimately well. Right, exactly. for twenty years. Yes. Yes. I think, and and that different story. That fantastic. Yeah. You've got an edge over me, and that's one that you want. You might want to prosecute. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but going emerging. For the sake of emerging, I mean, these economies have been emerging for as long as I can remember. I, you know, when are, when have when are they emerged yet? It, it, it is, <laughs> they are they are too often, choose my words here, crippled by corruption, um, mm, cronyism, mm. and the rest of it. And and will that always be true? I don't know. Do I want that mm. risk? Probably not. Is the next Apple, Google, uh, you know, choose mm, choose mm. choose choose your massive success story likely to come out of that yeah. jurisdiction? Yeah, I would say extraordinarily unlikely. So yeah, it's a hard pass. It is. A, it's an interesting one, mate. I um, it's funny, you know, like if people had said uh, if you're American, say, how can I get access to Australia? We'd say, well, it's totally perfectly reasonable. It's a good market, and we're here, <laughs> and it all makes sense. And there is there is a bit of that kind of like it's over there, not here. And so I think you're absolutely right in the sense that. Taking, taking un, uh, what's the right word? I don't say unmeasured risk because I'm not sure that Max has necessarily measured the risk. Just, just I think thinking about the risks you're taking and whether those risks are well judged risks based on what you know or what you think. Um, do you know what I mean? I think there's there's something on that around how we plan that out. Um, if you if you said, hey, New Zealand's a great market, well, how can I invest in New Zealand? I'd say to you, well, what do you know about New Zealand? As you've already said, I've already said, mm. mate, how, what do you know about New Zealand? Why is it going to beat the market? What does the exposure give you? There have been absolutely times in the past where emerging markets have done extraordinarily well. And advice that said at the time, don't invest in emerging markets, plenty, plenty here at home, and, you know, the, I don't know, Brazilian market or Argentinian market or Vietnamese market goes up 30% a year, and you're like, man, you just told me not to do that. Uh, so there are, you know, at one point Australia was an emerging market in that context and around and around we go. 
I, I don't think you necessarily, I wouldn't suggest those aren't markets potentially worth investing in, but I think you have a responsibility, I'll say, I don't think that's too heavy a term, to look at your investing and say, right, what do we know about this thing? Uh, how does it come together? What, um, what analysis have I done to give me a sense that I think it's going to be a good market at a good price? The other thing too, I've got to say, is when you start making those kind of macro-y calls, um, and we've talked a lot about that so far already this episode, mate, you know, airlines and other things, maybe Uzbekistan's economy is going to grow. Yeah, maybe it is, but maybe the market's already overheated. Or maybe the market is not representative of the country because it has a couple of companies that are just massively overweighted. And so the success of two or three businesses in Uzbekistan will tell you, will, will dictate the results far more than the actual economy growth itself, or the reverse. Uh, and those things, I, I just think, any investment you're going to make, I, I would take the same approach to this one, sorry, Max, as I would for those thematic ETFs that I rant about regularly, right? Buying a crypto ETF or a cybersecurity ETF or a, a gold ETF or a cannabis ETF or whatever, people are looking at that going, I think that might be a thing. I might buy it just in case it is. Um, but if you don't know what you're buying, who's in there, what value they have, what growth prospects they have, all that sort of stuff, it's a very, 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 very blind bet. Doesn't mean it can't come off. Bets come off all the time. <laughs> but but is it a, is it a sensible, smart, um, well-considered, well-judged bet? Max, only you can answer that. It, to his question, if you were going to do it, uh, I would only do it using an ETF that was listed on one of the world's major stock exchanges run by a reputable provider. So if you got to, despite hearing us, if your question is, I hear like guys, I just asked how I didn't ask whether I should. Fair enough. Um, a Vanguard, BlackRock, iShares, one of those. Um, because those people will have done the most work in my mind, not necessarily most, more than anybody else, but again, thinking about reputation, how much you know about a market. Uh, if I was in America, I want access to the Australian market. Maybe there's Page and Phillips ETFs, and maybe that's fine, maybe it's not. But if I was in the US, I'd say, well, I'll go the Vanguard or the BlackRock or the iShares or the something else one, because I know that I know those fund managers are at least on the level and legitimate and believe in the methodology of how they do these things. And so if I was going to, that's how I do it. If I couldn't get exposure through one of those guys, I would probably go back and say I wouldn't do it then as a result, but that's just uh, that's just the way these things go. Oh, man, more just having one? a quick, just a quick look at Wikipedia, right? So um, the IMF uh, calls it, you know, that basically an extremely um, corrupt regime, terrible human mm. rights violation. The economy is based on gold mining and cotton. <laughs> They've got a lot of gold reserves there. They've had several periods of hyperinflation, 1,000% per year. I mean, they're, they're, there's, this is former Soviet Union um, uh, a country, and there's a whole bunch of historical and political reasons as to why they've sort of been mm, been under mm. the poor people of these. I just feel for them, just under the thumb of tyrants yeah. that feather their own bed. And yeah, it's sort of yeah. like, the, the, here's the thing, right, in these jurisdictions. We, we, we are in such a bubble here that we, we take our mm. rights for granted. But someone in, the, in Uzbekistan creates the next apple, government's just going to take it. Yeah. You know, or, or, or there's just going to be a bunch of people who just milk that thing dry for their own personal gain. I, I just, I can't see for the life of me why you would do it. There, there are, there, someone might be, oh, look, I'll make up a case here. They've got, there's a mine over there with the best gold deposits in the world. Price of gold is expected to go higher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What a great play. Well, look at, look at all of the, there's a lot of African countries that are exactly like that. None of that money trickles down to anyone else, least of all, you know, minority shareholders. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just, I just think it, it is 
so hyper risky that that it is it is something that I I wouldn't go for. Swing for the fences by all means, but you, there's a, there's a lot of legitimate small cap companies here that have got much better prospects, and you've got all the regulatory sort of protections that 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 um, that mm. you don't have over there. So too often, I mean, I've heard fund managers just say that oh, you want exposure to emerging markets? Why? Why do I want exposure to that? It's 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 just absolute nonsense. So anyway. I, I think I've made my point. <laughs> I think you probably have, but it's a good point. It's a good point you make, and one worth uh, one worth thinking about. I look. I I think you know. Yeah, I, I found that. I found, here we go. Sorry, I lost it on the page here before. And a third. This is this is the um, uh, I, uh, uh, IMF. No, sorry, the, the uh, where is it? Da, 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 da. An authoritarian state with limited civil rights. Have ex- and they have expressed profound concern about wide-scale violation of virtually all basic human rights. Widespread <laughs> torture, arbitrary arrests, Jeez. restrictions of freedom, of religion, of speech, and of the press. You know, it's just, it, you know, unbelievable. No mm. way. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think we need to... I, I, would, I would suggest it's worth being mindful of being mindful of the outsider's view um there's you know things that people would say about australia and our treatment of different groups for example uh now i'm not saying we're Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan anytime soon i just think it's worth thinking that through so i i'm a little less absolutist about that i think because we don't know we can maybe think or assume the worst uh maybe there's money to be made there maybe there's not maybe as you say they take it all maybe they don't um you know, money has been created in some dodgy places in the past for investors who've gone in. There's a whole lot of money been lost by the same group. So again, it's I, I, I would just probably, maybe not even disagree with you, mate, other than to say, understand the risk, understand the potential reward. Um, the other thing is don't swing for the fence in your own personal account unless you really, really, really want to because, you know, that, that money is still every bit as good as the money in your SMSF. And if they both grow up, grow at a reasonable rate over a long, long period of time, uh, you know, I, it's very often the case um, that putting that money to work in, it quotes, boring ways uh, can be remarkably profitable. You don't have to swing for the fences in your personal portfolio just for the sake of it. You don't need a, you know, 100 to 1 or nothing. Uh, a really nice marketish compound return for a long period of time is just better, frankly, because the mispricings don't normally exist uh, in any meaningful way permanently. Uh, they're probably cheap because, to Andrew's point, you maybe can't trust the government. So apologies to those listening from those two countries. I'm sure they're wonderful places. Please feel free to let us know if you disagree. Uh, but on, on first yeah. blush, taking un- taking unreasonable risks for the hope slash gambling f- vibe of maybe I might get rich is probably not the best way to treat your investments in my and, and look, it's very important to delineate between the government and the people. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, Million percent. I've nothing but love for the people of Uzbekistan. Um, nothing but loathing from what I've just read <laughs> for the people in power. You know, very different Andrew, things. Andrew, 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 crypto correspondent and our geopolitics correspondent. So. Well, look, uh, he, he's, he's, goes when it comes to Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. We talk a bit about first level, second level thinking here. So here's a, here's a really good example. Ten years ago, you say I want exposure to China because China is growing very fast. It is on track to be, in fact, actually, maybe it's already just recently passed this on some measures, the world's largest economy. I want exposure to China. You know, like, it's hard to fault that line of reasoning. And 
China's got its own issues on human rights mm. and the rest of it, but it probably makes Uzbekistan look, you know, it probably looks fantastic next to Uzbekistan. Um, yeah. Here's the thing though. So I look up ETFs, I find that BlackRock uh, have an iShares China large cap ETF. So it's not even the small stuff, right? It's all the big mm. solid quote unquote companies in China. Well, over the last three mm. years, I've lost eight and a half percent per annum. Over the last five years, I've lost five and a half percent per annum. I go way mm. back to the inception more over 10 years ago, and I've made about four or five percent per annum. Mm. Mm. How do you square that circle? How do you square <laughs> that? Well, the economy is not the share market. Repeat that again and again and again and again. You know, they are, they are two separate things. And you can have companies that get very, very, very large, but mm. create absolutely no value for shareholders, right? So it, it, is, it is just a great example. And we're not even talking mm. about what might happen in the next 10 years in China. That's going to be wild given the state of the world and, and what, what things uh -huh. are going. But yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. suspect China will be a bigger economy. Am I going yeah. to put money in China? Not on your Nelly. That's where money, a number of companies I've seen in Australia is we're going to go to China. And the argument is usually, you know, if we only get 1% penetration of that market, you know, it's a billion people, you know, look how much money we're going to make. It doesn't happen. Business is done in a very yeah, different exactly. way there. And, and, yeah, yeah. and, and you can be right on China's general trajectory in, in very large aggregate sort of numbers and be completely mm. wrong on the investment, <laughs> right. on the investment potential. That's and right. uh, right. I just, I, this, this is, I mean, it comes back again and again and again and again, mm. is, is, is trust is at the core of everything we do as humans, mm. right? Mm. And, mm. and call me wrong, uh, you know, maybe I am, but, but there, there, I, I just, I just trust, trust the institution. I've got a lot of bad things to say about our institutions and regulations in Australia. <laughs> but, but give me a choice L between less bad that. Is enough sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give me the choice between that and the Chinese equivalent. I'm like, oh, I'm going to yeah. go with Australia on this one or the US or Europe yeah. or something. There's, there's a spectrum here and this is not at the right end of that spectrum. I don't think it's too controversial a thing to say. So uh, I think you know, that's, you, I think that's you, right. you, but I'm, I'm, and this is not advice because we can't give advice, but I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Very good. On that geopolitical note, uh, mate, thank you for joining me. Will you come back on Friday? Yeah, you know what? You know I will. I will look forward to it. Um, I wonder, can you give us something on maybe Tunisia or uh, Congo? Can you kind of just, you know, what maybe one one ep one country episode, something like that? They they all fall under the same umbrella, unfortunately. <laughs> And, and, and that's again, the sort of generalization that's going to get you in trouble, Mr. Fage. Oh, <laughs> corruption is just such a pernicious problem and, yeah, not easily yes. solved. Yeah. Very good. Until next week's Journey in Geopolitics, I'm Scott Phillips. He's Andrew Page. Full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.